Shut Off That Noise is generously sponsored by Stephen Dearlove, financial advisor at Investors Group Canada. It registers a solid, Captain. On an incredibly powerful force field. But if we collide with either, it could be very... Shut off that damn noise! Shut off that damn noise indeed. Well, welcome back again, folks. I'm Craig Riddock, your host, and this is Shut Off That Noise. It's been a long time, yes. Well, I mean, I've been out in a very noisy adventure myself. Um, I got a job at an electric guitar store at uh, one of Canada's leading music retailers. Prior to embarking on my new career as an electric guitar salesperson, I spent the summer in residence at the offices of Cool Earth Architecture. Cool Earth Architects specialize in designing architecture for net zero consumption. Now, what that means, net zero, is that a building consumes and produces an equal amount of energy, and therefore net zero consumption. Net zero architects draw upon a long history of building energy efficient buildings. They make use of materials and solutions that have been around for decades, but it's just a matter of putting those pieces together with the goal in mind of reducing overall carbon emissions. It's thinking for the far future. Net Zero is for the environment, really, and for your grandchildren. It's a long-term investment with long-term benefits and savings. One sunny September afternoon, I was lucky enough to assemble the complete team. Architect Sheena Sharp and her group at Cool Earth Architects spoke with me about Net Zero design. Sheena Sharp, principal. Jeff Christou, intern architect. Herman Weissmann, intern architect and building science. Colleen White, architectural assistant. Okay, um, I'm going to start with uh, just asking maybe one of you to uh, just give our listeners a bit of a framework of what exactly is net zero architecture, if you could just quickly define it. Um, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, net zero architecture means, well, there's different uh, longer versions of it, but net zero commonly means net zero energy, which means that the building is generating as much energy as it is using. Okay, and that term has come about, I think, pretty much since the 90s, I think. I think prior to that would have been green architecture, and there was also talk about passive design. Could you maybe clarify the differences or the the commonalities of those terms? Yeah, I think it's come uh, recently, and I think it's evolving more towards zero carbon. That's really what it is. Okay. But in order to get to zero carbon, you essentially have to make as much clean energy as you use and and that means you and you can't burn gas because you cannot release gas into the atmosphere there's no way to get it back out right okay so we're essentially having no impact on the grid by making as much clean energy as we use um i was part of that generation who got educated in the 70s and uh, early 80s. And that was the initial oil crisis. So we were all energy, all educated with like the Saskatchewan Conservation House, Harold Orr, like, which is the first passive house really in the world. Mm-hmm. And that was just next door in Saskatchewan, obviously. I went to school in Manitoba. And so when we were released on the world with all of these skills, I, I studied Ed Masri and passive solar architecture. Like, we were ready to go, right? And the world said, oh, no, been there, done that. We're not doing that anymore. Burn, baby, burn. 
And so that's kind of like my generation of architects. And we've always sort of felt that this was a good idea. And it, it has, it's time has come again. Okay. And so um, I was kind of pushed into this by um, one of my business partners. I'd always tried to do this, but not focused on it. And I think when you focus on it, you can do a much better job. I see. Okay. So that when we started to do that, I think we're really able to sharpen our skills in this area, able to bring really um, focused information to our clients, and um, and I think it, it also in today's marketing environment, like being a specialist actually helps. So. I see. Okay. And Jeff, how did you come to? Uh, cool Earth and to Net Zero Architecture yourself. What's the story behind I, that? I started I, as an intern. How long ago? A long time. A long ago. time yeah. ago. Eight years ago on a co-op, and then I went back to school, went on some adventures, and then came back. And uh, she has been very supportive the whole time. But I, I, I think that uh, I, one reason I stay with Cool Earth is the. Is is that ethos that Sheena talked about, and how actually rare it is in the city? Like, there's maybe four thousand architects, and there's there's very few firms that are practicing that have that sort of mission. And the more I learn, the more it makes sense that this is what we need to be doing. And uh, we're trying to bring in different elements. Like Herman brings in the passive house design aspect, and Colleen has the lead aspect, and I'm trying to bring in. The, more the ecological design and the permaculture aspect, but Sheena forms like the overarching okay. vision for it. So okay, and Colleen, um, so what, what's your history with architecture, and how did you find your way to net zero design? Um, I studied in the UK, and then I came to Canada after working there for a few years in London. And when I initially came, I worked for a very sort of high-end design firm, which wasn't really what I wanted to do at all. And then I searched around a bit more for something that was more in keeping with what I had studied, which was sort of, you know, environmentally friendly design type approach. Mm -hmm. I here, and I applied here. And Herman, your education has been in architecture and building science. Um, in studying building science, how did you find your way to that zero design? So I decided to study building science because I was also working for architecture firms and I was never satisfied with the amount of um, uh, sustainability that it was involved in the design or when it was involved it was very little so I decided to uh, get deeper into what's uh, the envelope or the details of the walls and the assemblies and, um, and that's like a specific part that is very important for the overall uh, idea of uh, going or reducing the energy use uh, and also increasing the uh, the comfort of the spaces. So I did study building science and then when I went back to work I, um, I realized that I wanted to integrate that building science within the architecture okay. and Net Zero, you know, it's, uh, it's a way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Now imagine the, the projects that you guys get involved in, your clients range from first-time home buyers, people who are building a new custom home perhaps, uh, or retrofitting an existing home that they've purchased right up to developers of subdivisions, apartment, condos, residential, commercial. Um, in, in any of those cases, is, is it a hard sell to attract a customer to uh, uh, you know, adopting a net zero agenda for their, their home, whether it be a new build or a retrofit? Um, it's an impossible sell. 
<laughs> Therefore, you have to figure out how to make yourself discoverable by the true believers. Okay. And if you can do that and build a business, you know, we have we end up having to try to do business cases, trying to we explain things, we do pro formas, we go after green grants for our clients, like we're trying to get there, but the world is not yet there. So it's hard to reinvent the financial system from inside an architecture firm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you find the true believers, they're willing to, 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 pay, a bit, like to pay for that extra trouble. Okay. Not, not, not necessarily yes, but I mean they're willing to, they know that the world will not just welcome them with open arms when they bring their greenhouse. Like TD Bank even rejected one of our projects because they didn't understand the, the um, system, the wall system. And this was a green mortgage, right? Okay. So, you know, they know it will be more difficult. They're willing to address those hurdles because they're like already there. If, if you're the thinking on a five-year payoff is what got us into the climate crisis and like we need to think on a longer-term yeah. basis yeah. if someone comes in and says what does it cost as one of their first questions we're not going to work with them because that, that's not the process and that's not the way of thinking that's going to result in sustainable architecture because what does it cost if you can't even use your house because it's so uncomfortable or what does it cost if your house is and a residential homes in Ontario are among the most uh, pr heaviest producers of greenhouse gas emissions from the operating. So those 3,000, 5,000 square foot homes that are being built with multiple furnaces, those people are locking themselves into paying a lot of money with fossil fuel based energy and they're contributing a huge amount. Like it's not just money they're spending, it's uh, carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. I see. So the people that find us want it. They're people that want comfortable homes. They want to do their part for the climate, and also they are attracted to like our design vision and our our, our process. So it's a it's a long term vision, and it's also a long term investment on the part of. But it's the, an the instant payoff, and it's continuous throughout the duration. Because I see. as Herman was talking about the envelope, when you invest yeah. in the envelope as a high quality envelope from the beginning. Day one, you enter that house, your house is comfortable, it's quieter, your kids don't need to wear socks. So day one to day 50,000, that house is comfortable and pays off. So that's a payoff that's instant and per and that's passive design, right? I see. Sheena, you're working on your own home right now. Yes. And uh, that's, a, that's a, a mission in itself. It is. Now, it's, it's an, it was an existing home and you're retrofitting it, right? That's is that correct. correct? It's a standard Toronto Semi. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me yeah. some of the challenges that you've encountered with that. Um, I'm not sure that they were, um, that, that they were serious challenges. The, all of the things that we did are um, standard standard materials, standard approach, uh, more insulation that would no normally been put, better windows, much better detailing, air tightness. But it's just a matter of really understanding the building form. There's 174,000 of these guys in Toronto. So, and they're all built in a similar manner. They're, each one has their own little like differences in setbacks and things, but they're built in a similar manner. So, um, I, I don't think it was, um, there weren't any like significant technical challenges. Okay. You know, it's, it's a matter of making, you, you know, you, you have a decision tree, 
which road is best for for my objectives and for hitting uh, zero carbon. So. CBC some program that talked about it was on learning it was Sunday edition and learning the lingo of the tech sector and they said eating your own dog food what does that mean it means <laughs> it means buying your own product and using it and that's what we're doing we're saying okay you know this is an expensive renovation I know that and it's it's got a really long payback so I think it's worth it so we're doing it And after the break, we'll return with Sheena Sharp and her team at Cool Earth Architects. First of all, we'll be hearing from Herman Baseman. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. Steve, I understand you want to help first-time homebuyers get into that first home sooner, and you have some financial planning strategies to share with us in order to achieve it. I do. Let's face it. It's a challenging marketplace out there, and first-time homebuyers need every tool at their disposal. For instance, do you think it's possible to save $25,000 in two-thirds of the time it normally would? No. Why not? Well, it sounds too good to be true. Believe it or not, it's actually possible, and it's got nothing to do with getting into risky investments. In fact, what you invest in has little to do with achieving this goal. Seriously? Seriously. So how does it work? If you work, you earn an income, right? Yeah. And you pay tax on that income, correct? Oh, I try not to, but yes. Of course. So how about if I told you that you could leverage your taxes? Uh, okay. There's a very simple financial planning strategy out there that your bank will never share with you that will actually achieve your goal much sooner, but you need to be disciplined about it and you need someone like me to manage it for you. Okay, so what is it? Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, we don't have enough time in the short segment for me to get into any detail. So instead, I thought I'd give a seminar for all your listeners who are first-time buyers out there where I can get into the nitty-gritties. The good thing is I can actually tailor the seminar to the audience, kind of make it live, so to speak. So if any of your listeners are interested, all they have to do is RSVP to me in order to attend. The skeptic in me still says this is too good to be true. I understand that, of course. I mean, it does sound too good to be true in some ways, but it's not. Most people are unaware of the hundreds of different strategies we use in the financial planning world to help people achieve their goals. This just happens to be one of them. We have a fundamentally different approach at Investors Group, and I would love to tell you all about it at my next seminar. I'm Steve Dearlove, financial advisor at Investors Group, and want to help you get into that home much sooner. So let's get back to our discussion with Sheena Sharp and her team at Cool Earth Architects. And we'll pick up where we left off with Herman Baseman. So, well, first of all, every project is very, like, has its own uh, specifics, right? Row house is very different than a detached home. Um, a suburban home is very different than a local home. Um, and there's, like, the program of the client. Some clients want open concept. Some clients are just two. Some clients are six, plus dog and cat. Um, so that's, I just wanted to say that, you know, that that's really generates a, a lot of um, different iterations. Uh, though we always start with what we call an energy budget, 
it's like saying, okay, this is our goal. This is where we want to go. Uh, this is what we have. Most of our clients or many clients already have a, a lot or a house. And, um, and then we have the energy budget, the lot or the location that they want to they want to build their house and they also have the programming so we start going back and forth uh, and uh, iterating uh, generating iterations with all this information and trying to always balance um, comfort beauty uh, you know windows and spaces with also the energy budget that I was uh, talking to you about and then specific for net zero you want to uh, you know, have you have the energy budget, and then and that's highly related to the amount of energy you can use, you can generate. I'm sorry. So you know, in many cases, uh, we have to also play with that. So there are like multiple products that you can use. Uh, you know, just talking about the windows, you have uh, multiple type of windows. Um, we certainly want to maximize the energy performance so we are always looking for components that are um, that have good uh, thermal resistance that they you know insulate the house as much as we as you can um, specific products in I was I was talking uh, so there are some products that actually are kind of coming back or there are really traditional products that are <laughs> yeah. you know there are like many trends but for example plaster or, or clay those are products that you know those are traditional ways of uh, building or um, providing um, interior finishes that are very helpful um, for also for the uh, health of the assembly. Um, you do have now, for example, rock wool, which is a rock wool, which is a mineral wool. It's a uh, rock that is processed and it's very um, good for, because it allows vapor to flow. So if you have some moisture trap, depending on the location of the wall, uh, it provides a way of, uh, you know, releasing that moisture. Um, but you, you wouldn't use rock, that, that example is like a, a something to inspire your design. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so, but, <laughs> example, but something that would inspire me that we, we were not able to use was, for example, hemp, hemp yeah, that's something that Colleen is actually going to take class. a course now, yeah. and uh, it's very uh, developed in Europe, and uh, it's, a, it's a byproduct of the uh, hemp. Okay. It's what's left over, and you mix with some uh, clay lime. and lime. Yeah. Um, so you can generate, uh, and it's very good. Uh, has a good uh, thermal value, um, or thermal resistance value. Yeah. So that's a product that is kind of um, an old product that can be used for a healthy um, uh, assembly. Yeah. Part of it is like a lot of the Takashino was saying, like the Saskatchewan Conservationist was developed in the 70s, 70s yeah. and the technology. That we need to build net zero homes has been around yeah. since then so there is not like there's this techno utopia vision that many people are pronouncing and the government is fully supporting but in fact the, the problem for 40 years or 60 50 years at this point is is conceptual it's people's ideas mm -hmm. they don't care yeah. It's, it's what That's the norm it. is, and the industry slowly moves, and you can't blame it. Your house is, you know, the, the most expensive asset you'll have, so people are conservative. But, for example, I've had arguments with contractors who don't feel the basement should be insulated. I've never done that before, they say, right? When you insulate a basement, it feels just like upstairs. In Canada, 
we just we're just used to basements that are like dank little you know the the walls are cold so the humidity in the air condenses on them so you go down there and everything feels damp and kind of like <laughs> you know, dark, and, well, if you insulated the thing, it would feel like the space upstairs, and it does feel like the space upstairs. One of my favorite quotes from one of our clients, they had a little boy, they had a house that was existing, and that had a little boy, and they moved out, knocked, we knocked down the house, built a new house, they moved back in, and um, his mother said, you know, he used to be afraid to go into the basement, and now he's no longer afraid. And he says, because there's no monsters down there anymore. Like, oh. <laughs> we designed monster-free basements. Yay! You know, it's just, it's, but that, that's not like a new, there are no new materials involved in this, right? Right. It was just using the materials properly, understanding that if you do this, you will get this result. Mm. And that's, you know, mm. and that's, that's the leap that has to be made. The, the ability to predict that yes, if you put this money into it, which scares a lot of people, you put and insulation in the basement. I'm sorry, is not a lot of money, but anyway, if you put money into this, you will get a much better result. I see, I see. And that's people have, the, to have confidence that that will happen. There are very little things that it's a matter of how do you allocate money. For example, air control is very important. Air, the air tightness we were talking yeah. about the house. So. Uh, so it's about to, a third of the energy you lose and people don't right. realize so, that. Right, so we really focus on that. Yeah. Uh, it's like one of the main goals is to, you know, have your house as airtight as we can. So for that you need to, you know, if you're using as an air control layer the plywood or a plywood layer, you need to take <coughs> in between them because each plywood, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of seams. So there are some decisions and there's new technology or there are new tape or tapes that are mm -hmm capable of lasting uh, for 40 years and with a swing temperature between 40 plus to minus 20 and it, they will not peel off so once you enclose the house you will never reach to that control layer or um, I'm sorry uh, air control layer so so we do push our clients to spend more money on those type of tapes because at the beginning will be fine but after two three years regular t red tape will be uh, you know peeling off so you're going to have some leakage there so there are some components. Windows certainly we want to have a triple pane windows, and the you know we don't like aluminum frame because it's highly conductive, or at least uh, the structure mm -hmm. to be aluminum. It can be cladded, but uh, we were talking about a fiberglass. How technology of fiberglass is allowing to have a, a structural fiberglass uh, highly um, uh, with with a good thermal resistance. You end up doing things more like inspired. It's like spend your windows wisely. Right, because the crappiest wall, like a concrete block with two inches of rigid insulation glued to one side, that's like an R8, and it's cheap. And the best window as a total assembly is like an R6, right? Okay. And so you're always going to lose more heat from the windows. Um, and so spend it wisely. Like you only want to lose so much heat, figure out where your views are. Use the window that you need, frame them, use that as almost like a design uh, inspiration, if you will. The biggest challenge, and we are doing a little apartment building in Sudbury, which is considerably colder than it is in Toronto, okay. um, 
And the biggest problem with tall buildings is that um, they have much higher structural loads. Windows are a structural element, right? You want them to stay in place even within a high wind. So, um, so when you get to those types of loads, you almost always have to use materials like steel and um, glazing, and they are um, they're really highly conductive. So, you know, the good thing is that if you have a little thousand square foot apartment, as opposed to a thousand square foot house, which would be radiating heat on six sides, most thousand square foot apartment only radiate heat on one side, right? So inherently, we should be able to get a lot more out of our apartments in terms of energy efficiency than individual homes. I think that's the only thing that's probably saving them right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think we have to plan for, at some point, um, like, I mean, I think some of these, these, when people say these things, they're being quite dramatic. Like, we know that residential window wall is not high-end, it tends to leak, all of that kind of stuff. As opposed to current, like, there are, there are more structural systems and less structural systems. It's all about price. You know, we live in a, in a market where we're trying to provide people with affordable housing as well as operating affordability. And, you know, we get all this. It's a balance, right? And I think that at some point, um, these buildings are going to... If I was approaching them, I would put a lot more solid wall for the reason that I just said, you know. Um, but even then, often because it's metal, it, you're not getting the same kind of thermal resistance you would out of, you know, wood and continuous insulation. Um, so I would put a lot more solid wall in, in those types of buildings, but I also think we have to start looking forward, looking forward to, you know, probably more like 20 years, how we're going to reclad them. You know, maintenance is going to be our friend, and at some point, even the guys from the Rotman School of Business, energy costs are going to be so high that they're going to get their five-year paybacks. <laughs> because the prices are going to rise so much that they're going to say, oh, yeah, we can afford to change this wall out. But, it'll, it, you know, obviously it's a lot more expensive than doing it right in the first time. But, you know, there's a lot of pressures on there. I, I appreciate all those pressures. You know, I, we're in an experimental phase right now. Okay. I would think at the most it costs 15% more. Okay. And I think that, like right now, if you were in Germany, you could buy double-pane windows. Uh, Triple-pane windows are cheaper than double-pane windows. Because the industry has evolved, and so all the industry is going this way. Double pane is a specialty. So we'll get to a point where a lot of these things are the things that are the the cheapest. Okay. And, and, and Ontario Building Code, which governs all the, um, the minimum safe requirements for buildings in Ontario, is rapidly, as, far, as fast as the building code can change, is rapidly becoming more stringent environmentally. So the number, amount of insulation, the quality of the windows, the minimization of thermal bridges, all these things are being incorporated into the building codes. So the question of becoming net zero becomes one of the difference between meeting the minimum building codes and then the premium for being a net zero house. So it's not, if you're doing a renovation of your house, it is going to need more insulation than it would have two years ago, yeah. substantially more, and that's the law. But if you want to become net zero, that's where that premium is of 10 to 15%, but 
you know, it's, coming it's all relative yeah. and, and it's her main point of there's so many variables that each client brings to the table yeah. that it's hard to, to really give any exact figure, but just to say that your buildings will need to be more sustainable by law anyways. Yeah, yes. yeah because as the, it's an equilibrium, right? So what Jeff, what Jeff is saying is that it, we're really responding to regulation. Mm-hmm. And and we won't start seeing this for the next two years. Building change happens slowly, and we just got some of these code changes in at the beginning of this year. So all of the towers that are on the books that you won't see for another 18 months to two years, they are starting to have to meet those codes. So, But once, once the industry understands that they have to respond to this regulation, then they try to find the best way to do it. They start to get to equilibriums, like trade-offs between the mechanical systems and the structures and the different types of the structures. And so when we're sort of at a point where we we're, um, have had a couple years to respond to these new standards, I think you know, we won't notice any difference in price, for example. But that's, that's what it takes. It takes the standard coming down so that it's not just the true believers, it's everybody has to do this minimum. We won't see the really disastrous changes on the planet until something like 2040, which is probably when I check out. So it's really being done for future generations. It's being done for the kids today. So if you want to play with their future, if you want to not put two inches of extra insulation in because... You know, and, and gamble your kids against two inches of insulation. I mean, like, really? Really? You know, you, don't, you want to gamble your kids against a bigger car when a smaller car uses half? Even if you're going to go with an internal combustion engine, you know, you buy a car half the size, you give up half the GHGs, and then turn to electric the next round. Like, you're gambling on your kid's future on a car that's, like, slightly bigger? Mm-hmm. You know what? Spend more money on it. Buy a Tesla. You know, you look good riding in it. It's great. You know, you, you want you want some kind of prestige? Go for that. There's there's lots of options out there. But do you really want to gamble with your children's future for like, okay, four inches of insulation? Do you really want to do that? Well, I would like to thank my guests, Sheena Sharp, Jeff Christow, Hermann Vaisman, and Colleen White, the team at Cool Earth Architects in the Junction area of Toronto. And a big thank you to Run With The Kittens for allowing me to use segments of music from their album Condos and Lofts, the second one that is very rare and hard to find. If you're looking to make a connection with Stephen Dearlove, my sponsor, you can find his contact information on the Shut Off That Noise Facebook page. So until next time, my name's Craig Riddock. And you've been listening to Shut Off That Noise. Thank you.